extreme success is the result of working hard, dreaming big, learning from failure, loyalty, persistence, and resilience. Hello and welcome to another episode of Extreme One to Watch, where we bring inspirational stories about remarkable barrel racers to you every other Thursday. Today we are so excited. Our special guest is Terry Wood Gates. Terry is no stranger to the winter circle, both in and out of the arena. What a wonderful opportunity we have to learn about her journey. So welcome. Thank you, thank you for having me. We've had a lot of years together. Yes, we have, well, I was thinking of that. We've known each other for a very a long, long time, barrel time. race together. And, and then before that, it was the horse racing. And yes. I just, my earliest memory of Glenn and Norma is at the South Jordan racetrack and watching them, they were just, they illuminated. They were just in at such a high level. And I remember looking at your mom and perfect hair, perfect hair. and strong hands, yeah. strong arms, and just a beautiful smile that would light up anywhere. And I mostly remember that they always outran us. Oh. <laughs> they did have some fun race horses. Oh, they did. Yes, we we oh, so fortunate to be able to win any race, but they had some good luck. Let's dive into your youth and really how you were raised and, and what was your uh, experience with horses. Well, I, in fact, I just was telling my grandkids the other day that my first experience or my first memory with a horse is when I was probably two or three years old and we had four girls in the family and we got this horse out and I don't know who helped me get on the horse or whatever, but she was a big white horse with a great big back and and um, I would ride her during the day and I didn't ever want to get off. So I would go under a tree and just lay back and take my naps on the horse. So, because if I got off, I had to share with my sisters. <laughs> so that's my first memory of horses. And her name was Daisy, the big, white, gentle horse. And um, of course we got into, uh, my older sister Vicky got us into um, horse shows and barrel racing and, and we all just followed suit and I, I just, I had a little um, horse, his name was Osage Johnny, he was an Appaloosa, and I ran him for years, and I loved doing the poles and barrels and all this, you know, Western pleasure and everything on Johnny, and and um, we we had to put Johnny down, he was he was blind, he had cataracts, and, and we put him down, and um, my mom and dad said, do you want another Appaloosa, because I love them, and I said yes, and they got me this really super nice reigning Western pleasure halter horse, and all I wanted to do was the reigning event because it was fast and yeah. I just wanted to go fast. And so um, that didn't work out for a nice pleasure <laughs> horse. So, so they got me into barrel racing and I was probably about 11 or 12 when I started just full-time barrel racing with my family. And it was just always a family sport that we did together and had the horses and it kept the family together. And It unifies, it really does unify yes. a family. And you say you have four sisters and so where are you in that line and how does that work? Well, I have, yeah, four girls, Vicki being the oldest, and then my sister Lori, who lives in Idaho, and my sister Shelly, who lives in West Jordan next to us, and then I am the youngest, Ooh. which I always tell everybody, the youngest should get their way because we deserve that. We let you a lot. <laughs> well, it, hence the territorializing yes. on the horse. Yes. The, the, the uh, you yes. know, claiming fame claiming, and won't get yeah. off. And yes. it's like, well, it's little sister, we, you know. Right, yeah, and she's the littlest. Yeah, we can't make her cry. Yes. Cannot make her yeah, cry exactly. because so. then it's an incident. Yes, yes. So we had just us four girls, and, 
And actually, Vicki is still very much involved in barrel racing. And my sister Lori has a lot of horses, but she she was more into the breakaway roping and cow, um, tie down goat tying and stuff. And so she kind of does cattle stuff there on a dairy farm. And then my other sister Shelly doesn't have any involvement in horses. And then I'm just over the top. I just have way too many horses. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> this could be a therapy session. So yes. how many is too many? Well, um, right now I think we have 12, um, 12 horse horses. And then I just actually got two horses for my grandkids. So oh. Yeah, so I'm going to keep, hopefully, hopefully keep the little grandkids riding. Well, I can't believe you're a grandmother, by the way. <laughs> Me either. It's just incredible. <laughs> so uh, talk to us about that, about becoming a grandmother and uh, you, how many children you have and how that all worked out. Right. Okay, well, I have, I actually have one daughter of, that I, of my own, and she has three, three little girls, and then her husband has an older little girl as well. So there's four girls there, wow. and then... Um, and then I have my husband, Stuart, who I've, we've been married 24 years or something. He has um, three children, and um, one lives in California, one in um, Salt Lake somewhere, somewhere I don't even know where. And then, and then a son that has two little girls that lives in Arizona. So, so you have some good bonuses. Good, yes, we have some those. great, yes, yes, bonus kids. Yeah, That's a perfect, kids. yes, You yes. really do. It's, it's such a wonderful... I mean, Stuart, what a gem of uh, of a guy. So how did you meet Stuart? And could you tell us a little yeah. bit about Stuart? Because you are a dynamic duo, I have to say. Well, he he really, he's, he's lucky and so are you. He <laughs> is. I feel very fortunate um, and to have Stuart. Um, we met as my daughter, Heather, as the exact same age as his son, Brian, and they were both 12. And we met when Heather and Brian were playing flag football. I was trying to get Heather involved in sports because she's never been overly involved in the horses. She did barrel race for a few years, but she just didn't enjoy it as much as I wanted her to. So we had her playing flag football and Stuart, the coach never showed up. So Stuart ended up being the coach. And so we kind of became, you know, friends and stuff through that. And then Actually, Heather and Brian kind of had crushes on each other. So Stuart said, I'm going to coach junior jazz. Do you want to have Heather be on our team? So then, of course, that kept us in contact. And then we took the two kids out on a date, you know, for pretend, took them to a movie. And actually, Stuart and I went on the date. <laughs> so, so with the kids and the, the two kids. And then we just kind of um, been together ever since. So he's your biggest fan. What does Stuart bring to this relationship for you? Oh my gosh, he's just huge support. He he will do anything for not just me, but anybody. And that just means so much. I mean, we've been to barrel races where he's came out and helped me cinch up or, you know, because sometimes the horses are a little wild when you're getting off them to cinch them up. He'll hold them and stuff. And, and then it'll turn to anybody that's there and be like, does anybody need help? Or can I help you with hold your horse, clean your horse's feet? I mean, he he is so nice because he's the type of person that loves to help people and genuinely loves to help people so it helps my mother you know my mother and we all live on the same um property and um just would do anything for my mother for my any of my siblings and you know sisters and it's just he's just amazing he's amazing and he works so hard so so you and speaking of your mother and yes i would i've watched stuart he is just a He's a patron. Yeah. He's a true patron to the yeah. sport of barrel racing. He doesn't, he hasn't, 
competed or done any of those things and you brought him in and he learned he baptized by fire probably by right? fire exactly mm -hmm. yes. but when i look and i think of the wood family your your mother and father were and are they're legends i mean they truly are legendary in our industry in the breeding pro you know in the breeding and all of it so let's talk about those legendary parents of yours. I'd love to. Yeah. Very, very, um, I get so emotional because they are just so amazing. And my mom still, I mean, she doesn't like to talk about her age, but because we're all in the senior class, 50 and older, we know she's older than 50, but she never liked to talk about her age because she thought people, she would say, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be here, I shouldn't be here running because she, she ran up until, um, what was it, seven, eight years ago? And when she finished running, she went out on top. I mean, she won the RMPRA um, barrel racing for the year and qualified for the circuit finals and then just decided that maybe it was a little too risky because she'd had some back issues and her, you know, so she's, she's just amazing. And so, um, and then always had the support of my dad. And my dad just always, I mean, just the type of person that, we didn't have a ton of stuff because we were, my dad was a farmer and you know, we never went without anything, but we wasn't over the top with a ton of money, but he always made sure we had the best truck and the best trailer because if we were gonna travel, he wanted us to be safe and, and encouraged us to go places within our circuit and stuff. He didn't, he was never one that wanted us to go a lot, but he, you know, stayed close to family because that's what this is all about, but, but encouraged us to go everywhere. And, He's competitive. Oh my gosh, they both are so competitive. <laughs> that's, that's the thing I know about. It was like, you know, anything other than first place is last yeah. place for sh him. Show me a happy loser and I'll show you a loser. Loser, and that's, that's another and I, one of his Yes, sayings. and I learned that Vince Lombardi, I believe they said, is who said oh. that statement. And I'm like, that's where my dad learned that from because he would say that. And, and that didn't mean he, he didn't accept losing because you do, you lose a lot. And in mm. barrel racing, I think if you can't accept losing, you can't do it because you're going to lose a lot. But you always want to be, be prepared and be... Um, competitive and and feel like you have a chance to win. Now it's not always going to work out, but you need to. to he be. was very intentional. Yeah. Like it, when he walked in a room, he just and he didn't demand the attention. He just it, it was just given. He yeah. was so so respected, and I know you were extremely close with him. Mm -hmm. um, when did you lose him and? How was that to carry on? He um, passed away in 10 years ago, last November. So, tw um, yeah, 11, 14, 11 is when he passed away. So that's 10 years. And, and before that, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's. Maybe he had that for five years before. So it was very difficult to watch your, the guy who's um, been the big, you know, just the man of the dad of the family who's taken care of everybody and protected everybody to watch him, you know, decline in health. And so um, that was very difficult for all of us because we were his, his caretakers, you know, me and my sister Lori came down a lot and helped and, and my mom and I, you know, we were there all the time with him, but um, then he passed away and, and, and it was hard to go on, you know, and even through those five years previous, I remember going to some rodeos and I just didn't have my heart into it. You know, I, I remember thinking a few times, gosh, if I can just, you know, if they'll just hurry and get done with a calf rope and we can be done and I can be home by 10, if it was a close rodeo or something. And, and I don't know if it was cause I just wanted to make sure my dad was okay. Cause he'd stay with my 
you know, my nephew would come and watch him or someone would watch him because he couldn't travel with us towards the end. And, and so I think that a lot of times it was just like, I just wanted to get out of there so we could get home. And yet when he did pass away, I remember one time my mom was like, I don't feel like going. And I'm like, no, we, we went while he was alive and, and we are going to continue to go now. And we're going to continue to breed some horses to the best of our ability because we don't study it as well. And that's one thing we miss the very most of from my dad is his, his genius of knowing how to breed, what mare to breed to what stallion and stuff. And so we kind of, we didn't breed as much, but I'm like, we have to kind of continue it because we have these mares that he started in this, this family of mares. And we Why have to keep going. Why do you think that he was so talented at the breeding part? Where, did you see him study that game? And where did he come up with the formulas that he did to, to create such a great program? You know, he did study it. He studied, he had the, the racehorse magazines and, and he always found like outcrosses. You know, we, we wanted, we wanted sane mind horses, but, and that, but we also wanted the racehorses. And we didn't mind a little bit of a hotter horse because my dad was so talented at, at um, and he helped us a lot to get them to listen to you and talk to you and, or you talk to them and they listen to you and you and he would always say, you only need these two fingers. That's all you need. You don't need to jerk on them. You don't need to pull on them. You don't need a big bit. You just need to communicate with the horse and communicate. Um, an interesting story is when my dad was a, a young, young boy at eight and nine years old, he had people that he was so good with the horses. He had some people that had him jockey race horses and they jockeyed thoroughbred horses. And my dad would say he was so little that they had to do the, the, is it a sur singe or something that mm -hmm. they put around the horse? You know, they put those around his legs to hold him on. And so he, cause he was so little. And he said when they would run, he would win the race and then going around the bend to pull him up. He said, I wasn't strong enough to stop them. So I would have to communicate with the horse. And, and so instead of like pull, you know, he would communicate with the horse and talk to it and, and just would win. And I guess he had a lot of people that were at the track that when they knew he was on the horse, they'd be like, Glenn, Glenn, can this horse win? And he'd be, yeah. And, and they'd bet on him. And I guess there's a time some soldiers were there and he said, yeah, this horse can win. And they ended up buying him some dinner or lunch or something because they won off his betting. And you know what, he, he said, yeah, I think I can win. Of course, my dad thought he could win on anything he was on. <laughs> that was part of the, the fun of my dad because he was very competitive. He, yeah. Well, his foundation explains a lot about him. It's like the circumstances of his life made him who he is. What are some of those key takeaways? If you know, What have you learned the most from having such great parents? Like if there's one or two things that you could share of what the significance of their parenting, how it made you the champion that you are today? Well, um, hard work. I, I watched them work very hard to get, you know, save money, work hard, get what they, they have. Um, my dad was a horse whisperer. He taught us so, so much of, you know, not, not jerking on the horse and not, you know, don't fight with the horse and, and give the horse every opportunity. Make barrel racing fun for the horse because it's got to be fun. And, and those, those are my, my barrel racing things. My mom was super good at um, starting colts. And so you could watch her and, and see how she did it. And, and she was the same way, you know, you don't fight with the horse. You just um, give the horse the opportunity to work. 
Um, my dad had a lot of little tricks about, like I said, he, he didn't believe in jerking. He would be like, you just need to use these two fingers. Now, of course, we use our hands. But what his mm -hmm. point was, you know, just really light hands. Try to be light-handed. Don't handle the horse around the barrel. You know, get it to the barrel and let it work the barrel. And that's um, kind of stuff I learned from them. Of course, the hard work of being a farmer, yeah. you know, wheat farmer. He, he farmed 4,000 acres a year. You know, it would alternate yeah. every other year, but that was what That's he farmed. a big farm. Yeah, so he, he just, they hard work and, and honesty and, you know, yeah. gets you a long way in life. You left for a while. Did yeah. you leave barrel racing for a while and then come back, or did you always barrel race? Well, from... I, did, I didn't I uh, com compete in barrel racing. I, I barrel raced most of my life, and then I just went through a, a streak where, you know, I you just mentally kind of get wore out yeah. and stuff and, and you know you grow up you're trying to grow up and stuff mm -hmm. like that and, and I didn't barrel race competitively but I actually stayed at my you know neck close to my parents and I'd go ride all the time I actually started um it was funny because I started this one horse my mom ran in the futurities his name was high on blur little black horse um that I taught him the poles, I taught him, you know, I did everything. But then when it came down to the next year, and she says, do you want to run him? I'm like, no, I just don't want to. I don't, sometimes, you know, because we are such a competitive family. And, and it's funny because my mom's so competitive now. I mean, she's, she, <laughs> she's, she's, she competes at, you know, everything. Oh, and yeah. she's just, when she wins at it, she's good. You know, like we joke about, let's play some jacks. And my mom's like, I love to play jacks. And all of a sudden she's beating us all at jacks. I'm like, how do you do that? You know, so, so I just said, sometimes, you know, a person's mental state can't take that. And I was quite young. I was maybe in my 20s. And so I just quit for a couple of years, but I continued to ride and never. rode up my parents' house. And you stuff. always yeah. have been around a horse. Yeah. You never had a really long break. Or Not, no, like that. I just, I, there's something about the, you know, horse that just, you can get on them and ride them. And just, even if you don't barrel race or compete or whatever, you can just feel the. They're therapeutic. They're very therapeutic. Yeah. yeah. Helps you through a lot of rough spots. Yes. Yeah. They really do to be able to go and throw a leg on. And does your mom still ride? She doesn't still ride. She, um, her shoulder got really, really bad, her right shoulder. And, um, she wasn't able to lift the saddle on the horse. And, and then, um, so I think it was maybe two, three years ago, maybe she quit riding and, and, um, she can't pull herself up on the horse and she's too tough and she's not going to have someone. Help what her. was one of your proudest moments with your mom barrel racing? What can you think of? I mean, there were so many wins. So, so, so many, many yeah. wins. And the I, fun times, you know, you yeah. think of the fun times. Um, there were a couple of times that we, we always rodeo together and we always ran back to back and, um, there are a few rodeos that we went and we would both like, I think there was one time we went up to rapid city, um, South Dakota's rodeo and we split winning the first oh. one of the rounds there and and that was kind of fun because you know you're you're winning the round mother there. and daughter yeah split. yeah wow, one, one of amazing. my um, our favorite memories is actually one of the races in in Salina where um, you, we ran at I believe it was still the extreme when the yeah. dog oh. I remember, See, when the dog chased like, yes. and, wow. and it was just 
such a hilarious advance for us because the dog chase, I think my mom had won the first go or placed in the first yes. go on Kingpin, came back in the second round and had a very nice oh. run, but this dog kept chasing her on yes, every barrel he, he'd wait for. Yeah, like instead of following her around the barrel, he'd sit at the other side Edge of the barrel. Of so she, and then yeah. he'd go to the next one yeah. waiting for her and, and so, then heal her right. all the way. And, and, and I'm screaming on the and line. You're, <laughs> you were, and the, and the dog, the horse things. still ran a 15-9, I believe. Still. So she comes back and you offered her a rerun. Mm -hmm. And my dad says, <laughs> my mom said, I'm not going to take a rerun. And she felt so bad because she just felt bad for the people that owned the dog because we knew it was tied up. We knew the dog. And she was like, I'm not going to do that. And my dad goes, you are running again. And he, she goes, I'm not going to do that. They had a teeny little bit of an argument out back, you know. And so then my dad went and sat down. And so you said, Norma, we just need to know. And she's walking up to tell you, no, I'm not going to run. And I looked at her and I'm like, better run because Glenn wants you to and he's sitting right next to me you know yeah, so she goes and tells you she's gonna run she comes out and runs a 15-4 it was crazy won the whole show she won, Last the, runner she won the, the deal Vicky ended up winning a saddle in one of the D's I ended I didn't win she put you all in it yeah my daughter Heather won the 3D that day she was so mad at her horse because it ran a 16-4 why is she so slow until grandma ran a 15-4 and she won 500 bucks <laughs> something so it was just such a that was one fun memory and just turning it around yeah. that's one of the things i often will say is it's never over until it's over yeah and she has won a lot of events being the very last one but that one was i'll never forget it it was it was so much it was crazy bad luck flipped around, yeah. everyone in the stands was screaming and cheering. Yeah. And it was just the adrenaline was so high. There's been so many of those great races. I often would say, uh, you know, when we call this extreme one to watch, of course, and that's because of all of these wonderful runners like yourself, no matter what, I'll say, okay, it's Terry Woodgates. It was Terry Wood for a long time, and now it's Terry Woodgates is in the next run, you know, and people just come to the arena. <laughs> and I for good and like, bad reasons. Oh, yeah. No, they're running <laughs> I mean, you know, to the to see, They want to see. You don't know what, you just don't know what's going to happen in a barrel No, you don't. Yeah. And I, I remember saying, it, it's funny that you would say this about the, you know, part of losing is, you, is getting past that. I, I used to have a statement that would say, I'd like all the money that Terry's <laughs> lost. Hitting barrels. Hitting barrels. Yes. And I've lost a lot. Oh, but you, but you stay so tight and yeah. you will, and no matter what, I'm thinking, oh, she'll be more conservative this time, mm -hmm. but, but you don't, no. you just, you don't, how do you wipe those, those hard losses away and, and just come back the next day? You know, it's, um, some of them are harder than others, uh, of course, because it depends on what happened, but, um, there are sometimes that it's just circumstances are you bring a barrel out when, you know, running, turning a barrel, coming out of the barrel, you're going to pull the barrel over with you. And that's just, that's just bad luck. It just wasn't your day. And some days you hit it so hard, you know, but, but you have to just remember there's, there's always another barrel race and, and, um, you go, you just set your mind up and, and we have a theory, like there was a one season that I was running this horse named Jet and Jordan. And he was like one of my very favorite horses to run, but I did hit a lot of barrels on him. And my mom and dad and I had went up to some rodeos up in Idaho and I had hit a couple barrels. And so finally my dad looks at me and says, we're getting ready to run at Gooding, Idaho that night. And my dad goes, now, what are you doing? Do you know where you're going? And I'm like, yeah, of course I know where I'm going. You know, I've barrel raced my whole life. And he goes, okay, well then what I would like you to do is um, here's a piece of paper. He draws three barrels 
like in a barrel pattern. And he goes, now I want you to take and just make a pattern of where you're going to go. Draw it with a pencil and a piece of paper and make a pattern of where you're going to go. So I did. And he's like, now you see that pattern, you study that, and then you go out and make that pattern on that horse. And you're not hitting a barrel. You're, not, you're getting close enough to turn it tight and clock, but you're not hitting a barrel. Now you go make that run. And he goes, I want you to think about that when you go in the arena. So our theory is when we, when we run barrels, we never look at the barrel. We never um, let other outside distractions try to get us, but we try to watch our ground and go in exactly where we want to go. And, and that's what my dad always says. As long as you know where you're going, you're going to be fine. You know, mm. you're mentally ready for it. So I went into Gooding, Idaho, and I thought to myself, I was kind of a little upset because I'm like, that's kind of rude, but yet it's very smart. And I thought about that. I watched my pattern and I think I ended up placing second or third in that rodeo, you know? Mm -hmm. So we go to Burley the next night and he goes, now, do you need to draw that pattern again? Or are you good? And I'm like, oh, I got it right here. I'm going <laughs> to follow that pattern. And I, I don't remember how I placed, but I think I placed at Burley as well. And, and that's just, that's how you get over it. You just Father knows best. Father knows best, and you yeah. just know you got to keep going. And I like I like what you said with that. You look at the ground. You know, you you don't focus on. You never look at the barrel, but you you know you're, where you're going to be placed on that ground. Yeah. That grounds your key, your yeah. horses. Uh, you've had so many great runs. Um, maybe you could give us some highlights of some of your big wins and what they meant to you. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, I've been lucky to have a couple, um, <laughs> couple pages, some, some, couple volumes, some, couple. Um, some that come to mind is one is I was running uh, Britland, GW Britland at um, Vegas. I believe it was like a Charmaine James Invitational or something, and and there were a lot of really good runners. And she happened to go in. She ran. She ran really nice. Um, actually even came home and almost turned before the timer light, just barely got her past the timer light because she, our horses aren't used to running to closed gates, you know, yeah. and she ended up winning $30,000 in a saddle and stuff. And, and there were really good horses. Um, I think there was bad, you know, some people had bad luck and that's part of barrel racing at a barrel and just outran a few. And so that's one highlight that yeah. you always remember. Um, I've, I've went to, um, I've lugged out and won the, you know, the, we call it the Dodge Circuit Finals, but it's the Ram Circuit Finals now. It was when it was in Idaho, and yeah. I won on Main Dash to Fame, wow. who was one of our very, my very ultimate favorite horse to run. You know, What was he, his breeding? He was a Dash to Fame out of a Sir Casanova mare. And Dude. in fact, his full sister is Smooth Move and Lena, who oh, yeah. we bought about three years ago, and we run, run her and loved her from the minute we saw her. Um, so you bred her that horse and raced it was no, did it race or anything no or did i didn't we did we bought him you actually bought him. we bought both of them from spencer peterson he okay. he had the mare and or he bred the mare to dash to fame and got that horse and then we just loved him so much and then um haley mosman or haley woodward was running uh, lena and we'd watched her from the time she was a four-year-old i called my mom and i said um, I just found Spence's full sister that actually looks like Spence because there's always full siblings and half siblings that right. don't quite match, you know, and yeah. we watched her for a few years and um, there were just some circumstances that we ended up being able to buy her. And I think it was three years ago that we ended up buying her. So I've learned her. So you, you won with him on, at the Dodge, which is yeah. a huge accomplishment. Was I mean, huge, that was, yeah. that's really big. You've been to how many wilderness circuit finals and you've won so many? Um, you know, I've, yeah, I've, I, they asked me last year how many I'd been to and I couldn't, I like, I can't, I don't know how to tell. I know I've missed a few here and there, but maybe 20, 
in between 20 and 25, I've qualified for the circuit finals and, and um, a lot of different horses. And I've won the circuit finals average, which is always just such a thing because the top 12 is always so tough. But um, I've won the average on several different horses like Kizzy Pie and KJS Fame and Main Dash of Fame and High on Blur won the average and um, Lena's won the average and just been so lucky to, I think, um, I don't know if Carly, I ran Carly a couple years. I don't think she won the average, but she ran good for me. And and then I've been lucky to win the circuit two or three times for the lucky. year end. So, You're so it is lucky. lucky. It is. <laughs> it takes a lot of luck to get the good runs at the right time. Well, and I, the thing is, is you've got this, you've got this beautiful list of, of champion horses that you've, that you have, developed into champions and so few people get more than just one or two because it, it's really hard to repeat it's after you get those really great horses to come bring it back like the bozos and the yeah. you know the christy peterson horses and then to yeah. see christy's daughter now oh, wasn't that you fun? know doing really so well amazing. so it's it is that family lineage of just being able to figure it out and then but you go through a lot of horses, right? Before you right. find the, yeah. you have to oh, turn yeah. back several before. You, to, you don't yeah. just luck into them all the time, right? Right. You well, you start two or three, two or three a year, and then hopefully one of them work out, and and not always they don't always work out, or they don't always make futurity horses, and then you keep them and hope that you know, or or um, we've been lucky to um, sell a few to to people that fit them really well and the horse goes on to be successful because that's what we we really want and so you do you go through a lot of horses and and um and then you try to just pick out ones that because we like to rodeo i mean that's kind of my thing i i love the big 40s and i love to 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 rodeo Those right are the two things i kind of enjoy did you ever want to take a run at the nfr you know i want to run at the nfr <laughs> if they just give you a, just re, like I, look I've got this great resume yeah, yeah if I didn't you have know, to do it all resume. in one year yeah. yeah we don't need to run we're just going to do one year with resume because yeah. um kudos oh. to those gals that can do that yeah. and he, I mean it is I don't know if I could do it I mean honestly and my dad never really encouraged it because he was always like this is family if you want a family we're going to stay here he, he loved going to as many circuit rodeos as we wanted to but kind of try to be gone for the weekend and be home yeah. um the, the make it you know the nfr is so much luck and like there's people down in texas right now just starting out and yeah you know it's just yeah. so difficult so the answer is yes i would love to run at the nfr i would even like to say i uh, take a couple years and make a like go for it but then i'm like oh i don't know can i be away from my grandkids that long or could i be away from my mom that long because she sacrifice. doesn't like to travel so much anymore and yeah. and so i don't know that the trade-offs are worth it yeah i'm not sure that i'll ever i'll ever do that but but i am i admire and i i think it's amazing those gals that go down the road and do that you know well and um i mean you've certainly had the horses to do it, it i'm sure it was tempting to a degree yes and vicky went and vicky went she yeah. went and it, it you she know got she to went the nfr yeah and and um and Vicky really Salmonson, well. yeah. yeah, she's mm -hmm. my oldest sister, and yeah. and she's done. Yeah, she it was amazing. She had an amazing horse, and he was super fast and super good, and handled any condition. And and I think she had to go one year to kind of get so you can go to the winter rodeos, and then the next year she made it to the NFR, and then her horse got hurt. So yeah. there's always that risk too, you know, because yes. every run is a risk, and 
It is. So. And and rodeo ground is not for the faint of heart. No. I mean, it's not. It's, it's, not. it's very inconsistent. It's mm -hmm. outdoors most of the time. It's not the priority of the the organization Committee, yeah. the committees or whatever because it's it's just one of many events right instead of it being a and most rodeo grounds unfortunately only rodeo or only have events at that particular rodeo you know we yeah. went down to to vegas and they you know they didn't have a rodeo because of covid the previous year and then they're like oh well we got working on it on tuesday and then mm -hmm. they did slack on wednesday and had the rodeo and it's like that's just super hard Although I have to thank all the rodeo committees for starting to rake every six runners or mm -hmm. halfway through the, you know, every so many runners because that makes a huge difference. But um, you do find a horse that loves trashy rodeo ground and then you got to just go for <laughs> then it. Then you're like, okay, got the <laughs> yeah, trash horse, yeah. got that, we yeah. had to run him. Yeah. And, and then hopefully you can keep them I, um, sound, sound. to your point. Yeah. It's, um, you, so when you've had great horses that then become sore and and whatnot how do, walk us through what you some of your tricks of the trade of what you've had learned over the years well i think it's um we do um we didn't used to do a lot of injecting in the hawks and stuff we give um but you know like little joints but i think it does make a lot of difference to to the horse and how it can compete so we do you know we try to keep them maintenance that way. We also do a lot of um, feed them vitamins and try to have their feeding program as good as possible. Um, you know, a good vitamin. Uh, we try to feed them stuff for ulcers and I think because I think horses have a lot of ulcers and we also um, do a lot of, you know, the legend every month. Um, it's kind of expensive, but on preventative. The other hand, preventative. Yeah, mm -hmm. you give them like a legend or adequin shot and, and then um, just just luck, you know, you try not to breathe the legs out from under them because yeah. sometimes they get, you know, we've been lucky to have pretty strong, good legs. Um, so confirmation is important confirmation, to you. We, yeah. So when you're looking at a horse uh, and you may or pass on one, what are you looking for in confirmation? You know, just, just like that, strong bones, straight as legs as possible. Um, We've bought a couple of horses just recently that um, actually from out of state. So we just kind of hope that they turn out pretty good. You you know, we look into a lot of bloodlines, how they're, how they're bred. Um, but we just want them to look strong, no huge injuries from, you know, whether we buy a racehorse or something. How old of a horse do you normally buy? Is there a certain age that you no. like or it's just, just when you find when it, we you find, find it? Yeah, if I'm talking to somebody, we, we, we try to breed as many, you know, get our own bloodlines mm -hmm. and stuff, which is, that's a risk as well, you know, because you don't know what you're going to get. But um, we just happen to look or see something or see a bloodline we like and that's how we bought the last few horses, you know, we've just, um, we wanted to try this horse or we've always been huge fans of Dash to Fame because we've had so much luck with them. So we found a little filly last year that wasn't even broke or anything. She was two, but she was bred so well that we're like, how oh, are we just going to have to take that chance? Because, you know, what she is when we get her, because no matter what, we have a great mare to breed or something. Right. But yeah. So out of those, you know, Dash to fame is one of your favorite studs. Do you have any others that you like or that, that you're impressed with that up and comers? Or? Yeah, well, of course, the goodbye lane. He's just yeah. showed so much. And we've and we you have, have a, you have some. I have what, four of them, yeah. What's I've, Tell me a little bit about those, the, the their accomplishments. How, 
how has that been for well, you? Well, um, I have um, I have a, oh, she's seven this year, a seven-year-old, and she hasn't done a ton. Um, she's won a few things here and there, but her name's Sophia Kay, and she's a super nice little mare. We took her really slow, and then last year when we were just about getting ready to start running her, she had a chip in her knee. We just, I had our vet, Bobette, come down and go over her, and he found a chip in her knee. So instead of running her at all these fun things in the spring, we ended opted just to take the chip out. So she didn't come back and start running until um, last fall. So she'll she'll be the horse I kind of go with this year a little bit more yeah. with my rodeos with my other horse. And, and then we have um, two others that are six this year, and one's name's Consuelos, and he... He ran really good in um, Arizona for me, and then he came home and he played in a pen and hurt himself about a year ago. And um, so we kind of spent the summer on and off. He's been super inconsistent because we were trying to get him better. I mean, like he was dragging a right back leg, so we didn't know if he was done. You know, must have just pinched something. So we're hoping he comes back this year. And then I had Alice Olivia, mm -hmm. who was a futurity horse last year, who was kind of my dream horse because she was easy to run. She was seemed pretty fast and easy to warm up, easy to handle. Just one of those horses that I'm like, this is it. It's Carly <laughs> Q's half sister. So we oh, just yeah. love Carly Q, yeah. you know? Right and um, so I'm like, this is it. This is the horse. And I was so excited and I made the mistake of making plans for her future. And I ran her at um, the Ruby Buckle in Salina, her first go of the Futurity, and I think she ended up placing third or fourth in that Futurity, ran out of the arena. When I stopped her, I felt I felt her limping in the left back leg, and she hasn't stopped limping yet. So we, you know, she's she's injured herself. I think she had a couple injuries, but a main injury is her hawk. Something's gone wrong with that, and it's so she's turned into a broodmare. So. Yeah. That kind of takes your breath away. And Do you like mares better than gildings? You know, personally, I do just because I get along with them. I think they try. Sometimes they try a little too hard, but they've been hard. Uh, I, I remember it seems like you've run a lot of mares. Yeah, we run. And mostly we run what we, you know, because we bred so much in the past that it wasn't like we got a choice. It wasn't like... You know, we'd breed them and then we'd race them on the racetrack and then we'd start them on the barrels. So we didn't have a lot of times the opportunity to pick this horse or this straight-legged horse or this, yeah. you know, mare or gilding. So we just took what we had. But um, I've, we've had such good luck with mares, and we find that they don't buddy up with their friends quite yeah. as much. They're a little more independent to me, and they don't need a friend quite as much as a gilding. Gildings get kind of needing a friend. And so where I rodeo by myself, I need something that will just stay at the trailer by itself while I take my horse and right. run. So. Have you ever run a stud? Um, my my mom did once years ago, but it we don't we don't want to keep a stud. We don't want to handle them, yeah. especially you know me and me and Norma. We didn't want to handle a stud, right. so we just don't much. You Do know. you have any studs uh, on your property? Um, I have one weanling or yearling that okay. just just turned a year this year, but I just bought him last November. Um, so you're gonna keep him a stud, or no. you gonna no? We're just <laughs> no. <laughs> we're just we're not. We're he's a temporary stud. <laughs> yeah. So he's the only stud we have on the property, and right now I'm just like I'd like to put him out with these little mares, but um, I don't think he could do any, you know, breed him. But I think he could try, and I don't want him to hurt himself. So we'll look into getting him gilded, and then, and then do stuff with him, but super cute. And I mean, he's bred nice enough to be a stud, but I just don't want to handle them. Yeah. You know. What's still in the in the future for Terry Woodgates? That's uh, just um, a lot of barrel racing. I'm going to try to just 
go, I don't know. I, you know, I, I just have places I want to go. And every year you just want to do the best that you can do. I mean, you know, like you asked, would I love to go to the NFR? I'd love to try. I'd love to even make a run for it. I just don't know if I ever will set my mind to that early in the year. But, but I, um, I, I just, I want to go. I like to just try to make the circuit finals, you know, if you luck into winning the circuit, because it takes a lot of luck to, to win the big rodeos with the big money. And Who is some of your people that you look up to and admire? Well, besides my mom, who is the one person I've always admired, um, I, there's a lot of people. You know, I look at um, Jordan Briggs. I, I sure admired how she just handles herself and, and how nice her horses are. I admire you and Destiny for putting on such big races and giving us barrel racers the opportunity to run a big fun money. Um, most of the producers, I really admire them because I just think it's got to be the hardest job in the world. What makes it rewarding is to watch race, the contestants like yourself that are not only there to compete at their highest level, but they really do elevate the way the sport is. And I just have to commend you for your attitude and your, your spirit in the arena and outside the arena, because that's not, that's not always the case. You're always really easy to work with. And it's been so much fun over the years to be able to watch you. And I've, there's been so many highs and then there's been the agonies of defeat and that you've overcome them. And how do you alleviate stress in your life? Like when those big defeats come? Oh man, that is a good question. Um, most of the time when I hit a barrel, I'm just mending the wound on my leg. <laughs> so you're, I mean, think of the pain. I remember, um, I believe it was actually, and I don't know how, you know, it's just, it is stressful and you can, you can make it super stressful. We've kind of made a rule at my house. And I, I think I learned this from Andrea Day is you give yourself 10 to 15 minutes to sulk mm. and then you have to get over it because there's always another barrel race. There's always, and I, I believe it was Edria that was telling me that. And I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna live by that because that's what we do. We give ourselves 15 minutes, and um, we can, we can be mad. I, I know there's been times. There was one year I was hitting a lot of barrels on that. I was running that high on blur on the rodeos, and I was hitting a lot of barrels. Couldn't blame him because he was hitting them coming out of them. Kept hitting a barrel. Kept hitting a barrel. I went back to the trailer. I took my hat and I just went inside my trailer, the tack room, left my horse tied up and just beat the holy living tar out of that hat. And that hat was flat and I felt so much better. And my mom's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I can't blame the horse. I can't just throw a fit out here. So I just kind of beat my hat up in the trailer and boy, I felt so much better. And my hat looked horrible and I don't even know if I was able to use it anymore. So sometimes you just have to let it out and just, you know, but I try not to do it to make a scene. I just, yeah, yeah and I didn't want to beat the horse up because it really wasn't his fault, so. Yeah, so you just try to... Do you discipline horses? I do. I think you have to because yeah. if they don't respect you... Um, what type of discipline would you consider useful for um, the listeners? You know, I, I like leading a horse. I don't want a horse to jump around. I, I, I know that you know that I was kicked in the head by a horse. Um, it was actually three years ago, just about right now. And um, my big mistake was we have a little hill at our house and I went to go out a door, open a door, and it was cold. And and um, the horse, I let the horse have a little slack instead of uh, to, so she didn't slip and fall. So I let, I allowed her to play, 
And when she played, she jumped and kicked, and apparently all I remember is just a big boom on my head, and then everything went black. And so leading a horse, I have such PTSD that totally that's where I'm going to, I mean, mostly discipline a horse when I'm leading it or handling a horse because I, I don't want it to to hurt me because I know it can hurt you. It's not a matter of if, it's when you get hurt yeah. with and horses. Yeah, and was that your worst injury? Yes. By far? Yeah, by far. Oh. I mean, I've been, I've had broodmares kick me in the back and broke some ribs, and but that was kind of my fault because I was out playing with some colts and the mare tried to chase That's another right. mare. And yeah, so, and she accidentally got me and kicked me. That was maybe 25 years ago, but... Um, yeah, this was by far, this was my biggest struggle, like to get back to barrel racing at a competitive level. And so when that happened, you were outside, who found you and what happened with that? Was um, it... it was a horrible, and it's weird because my memory from that day, most of the time is a little sketchy, but I remember everything really clear, uh, pretty clear up until that night. And this was, um, it was actually my uncle Frank had passed away and we had his funeral and um, so my sister was there, and my mom was, was there, and then after the funeral, they went to my mom's tax guy, accountant, and then Stuart went back to work, and Heather, my daughter, went to pick up her kids, and I did this when I, it was like about 2.30, 2.40 in the afternoon, and the horse jumped and kicked me, and I, I, I remember everything going black, and then I remember waking up, and... Um, and the horse is running around. So I called Stuart and I'm like, are you close to home? And he's like, no, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, no big deal. I think I've been kicked in the head. And and because I felt like right here and I felt a big uh, lump, mm. like a lump. And and so I'm holding some snow because I thought maybe that would be good to hold some snow on my head. So then I, I said, no big deal, no big deal. I'll call my mom and Lori because I thought they were there. So I called them and I'm like, are you home? Because I need help catching this horse. She's, I think I've been kicked in the head. And they said, no, we went over to, you know, the accountants. And I'm like, okay, no big deal. So I remember the horse running all, like we have a pretty big yard, you know, and, and um, running all around. And then she went down to this one spot. And I remember chasing her over there and there's snow everywhere. And I'm like, you're so rude. And I was so mad at her because that was rude. You yeah, know, I thought that, yeah. And, and I know she didn't do it to be mean. She was just playing because they'd been locked up all day, you know? So I got her put in her pan and caught her and put her in her pan. And, and, um, then I'm holding the snow on my head all this time. Cause I'm really going to prevent any damage, you know? <laughs> and all of a sudden I go like this and I look down and, um, the snow is full of blood mm -hmm. and I'm like, Oh, and so then I go like this, and I had slipped my head. She had cut, hit my head here. I think she kicked me, and it kind of went here and then down here. And so that was, that was um, Stuart finally came home, and I was, I think I was um, in my house washing my hands. At that point, I think I was crying in the, the closet because it hurt the cold water. The water hurt my hands so bad. I couldn't believe how bad my hands hurt when my head had been kicked. <laughs> Wow. So isn't that, a, I mean, yeah. you know, so there's my biggest thing. And then I took a picture of it and asked my sister, Lori, who had worked at the hospital as a helper. And I'm like, I don't think I need to go to the hospital. And she's like, mm, I think you probably do. And I mean, we're You're barrel tough. racers. We don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> you kicked in the head. Yeah. Brains half of them hanging out. It's okay. Wait, you know, I'm entered for next week. So just put a bandage yeah, yeah. on it. It's like, where, where do I? And I had a barrel race in, in uh 
Spanish Fork a few weeks later and I was going to try to run, but it was so, it was bad. And so I just, but I had to continue to go because I do remember thinking if I don't ride and I don't keep trying to do this, I'm just going to not want to be around the horses at all because they, I was quite scared of, of everything. Well, it's traumatizing. It's, yeah. Very, very much traumatizing. so. Like you said, PTSDs mm -hmm. can play a way into that, that you have to mentally work past right. those injuries yeah. to your point that it's, um, Terry, that it's not a matter of if, it's when. Right. If you're p legging up as many horses as you are and, you know, working with all of those and, and that it is, you just, it's that awareness of, um, so when we're talking about disciplining the horse, you have to keep yourself disciplined yeah. as much as them exactly. so that you can prevent accidents. Prevent accidents, yes. Because, yeah, you have to always remember they're, oh, they're a horse. I don't care how nice they are, how quiet, how gentle, you always have to be aware that they can step sideways and step on you or or jump and kick and play and you know so you have to just be really careful so that's probably where i discipline my horses the most just because mm -hmm. i uh i'm ground, afraid of them yeah but you know but on on the horse my only my i i want a horse to respect me and listen to me but um we we try not to ever discipline them around the barrel because that's supposed to be a fun happy place mm -hmm. for the horse so i will stop them at you know like at certain points but i try not to do too much jerking on their heads and and too much discipline around the barrels in fact i try not to ever do that i might have to take them away and do it over here and then come back and do my well drill. and you've you've done several clinics and, I, and yeah. things right i yeah. mean you've been uh, a clinician and you've been to a lot of clinics as, yeah, well, as well right yeah. I think you can always learn from everybody yeah who have been some of the clinicians that you learned a lot from that you you still take those little nuggets uh, that you learned from oh man um, you know years ago we went um, the Sharon Camarillo we went to one of her clinics and and actually as as good as she is um, Shirley Ancrum was one the lady that helped her, you know, the one that helped her. And and there's a lot of things because I went in Shirley's group a lot, and she is just she's so good. There's a lot of things that she taught me, and that would have been clear, you know, back in 1999 type of thing. And I learned a lot from her. I actually went to a, a clinic um, with Fred and Nancy Hunter years ago, and there's things that I remember that Fred said that I I loved. Um, um, you know, I. I went to different clinics, you know, all the time. Um, there's people you talk to too, like Sue Smith is just so smart and she's so, yeah, just, you know, does so much with her horses. And then of course my mom and dad, and, and it's inter funny because when my dad started to get sick, um, I started writing down things that he'd come out and help me and I'd go in and write down what, like, I need to remember this and I remember, need to remember this. And, and so now if I struggle, which I do a lot, and there's a lot of horses I wish my dad was here to help me with, but I'll go back and look up those notes and be like, okay, always go back to the basics. Always just, you know, because a lot of things people taught us over the years at, at clinics are things my dad had said to mm -hmm. do, you know, and like a lot of basics and stuff. So. It's funny how we need to go and pay someone else to tell yeah. us what our parents told us <laughs> yeah, all along. Yeah, and because they you, they really are so yeah, smart. They are. And <laughs> yeah. it's, I remember that with uh, our daughters. It's like, no, let's have someone else tell them the same thing. Right. And pay them. And pay them. Because they'll mentor. <laughs> yeah. We, we look at mentorship, and you've been such a mentor to so many uh, barrel racers and uh, all different age groups and all different 
So a big thank you to you for doing that. Where do you think the future of our sport, how does it look in your eyes about I, I think it looks great. I, I am so excited for barrel racing and, and I just think that the, the horse industry and it, it's just, it's growing so much and I, I think that it's something that you can do no matter what, you know, just like when COVID hit, we all just, even though we couldn't go anywhere and do a lot of things, we all could get with our horses and, and ride, you know, and ride and, and better ourselves. And there's so many people that, that did that, you know, and, and going kids, kids nowadays are so, so tough and they do that. They go to clinics and they learn and you learn from this person and that person and a little bit of everybody and, and their riders are better, the horses are better bred and, and it's just getting better and better all the time. Did you ever think that you'd see the prices of horses as what they are? No. I no. mean, when you think about yeah. when we was, you know, 30 years ago or whatever, the prices, how the sport in itself has grown and, and flourished and, yeah. and just, um, it's, it's amazing some of these big payouts, what we have right. when we started the million and you're seeing these kids, 12 year old kids taking home $48,000 yeah. and you're seeing, yeah. you know, uh, a college student take home 70 some odd thousand right. dollars and, and it's so not good. winning Calgary or it's not winning yeah. that there's actually an opportunity in, in the sport now that we have, that you don't have to be the very best. Right. You just have to be consistent right. and, and fall in there. And it's so, so, so wonderful. Yeah, it really and is. I love watching people do that good. Don't yeah, you? I do. I, mean, I think it's, it's what it's, it's our future of the mm -hmm. sport Yeah, yeah. because the parents are putting them in like yourself. You're, you're looking at your grandchildren mm -hmm. to get on a good foundation horse where they, and then it's a constant move up. Right. But you have to be really committed as parents and grandparents to get those kids on those really good horses and then a consistent program to keep them going. Keep them going. And yeah. um, I just, I smile at where it's going because it's it. very interesting how our sport has evolved and how uh, the pricing, not only what you can win, but what it's worth. What the value mean? of barrel racing has raised yeah. exponentially the last and I love that. decade. Yeah. It makes it fun. Well, then it makes it worth going. And yeah. and because like you said, anybody has a chance they to do. win the money. And, and any horse you take, you know, That's you right. can enter two or three horses and just think it doesn't matter. They can, they can do this or this. And you know, might not be your your favorite run or something, but you still can win a whole bunch of money doing it. So, so what's your next events? When are what are you? Uh, what horses are the up and comers for this well, year? Well, um, I don't even have any futurity colts for this year, wow. which is so weird. I know I feel weird. I kind of feel lost. <laughs> I was supposed to I was going to go to Arizona just for a little bit and um, do some do some uh, writing. And then I was like, I just couldn't motivate myself to go because I didn't have Colts, but I did enter. So I'm entered in the Royal Crown and that will be in February down in, down in Buckeye. And then what we're thinking of doing is going to the Royal Crown that weekend and then staying and then on our way home, hitting the, your race oh, in great. Vegas. Oh great, the Mini Million. Yeah, the That'd Mini Million wonderful. in Vegas. And, yeah. and um, so then go to those two and then March we'll just do, you know, maybe a couple races and then, and then, um, April will start one rodeo and then hopefully start rodeo in a little bit and yeah. Well, I wish you nothing but the best and success. Thank it's you. been such a pleasure watching you over your whole career and you have brought such a joy to the sport. Oh, I just you. can't That's thank so you nice enough you for, for coming and being our guest today on Extreme One to Watch. And make sure that you go in and subscribe and, and hit that bell notification so when we get 
more uh, extreme one to watch podcasts, you, you'll get your notification. Thanks so much. And we'll see you down the road.